0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Rich lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. Good to see everybody here. Good to see my Dallas Cowboy fans. Woo-hoo! See how New York had to do? Y- I'm sorry, last week. But it's okay. I told you it never happened again. So when New York makes the uh, Super Bowl, don't be upset. Anyway, <laughs> and it goes without sermon series. It's a big deal. It's a big deal you guys don't win to you, not to me. Anyway. But really, I want to welcome you again today. I'm really excited about this, this part of our series. We've been talking about Big Deal, Had to, talked about the different subjects, and today is posterity. You probably say, what does that word mean? It means generations. We're all a posterity of Adam, generation after generation. How God wants us to be the catalyst to bless future generations, those who are here and those who are to come. And how that's such a big deal. God builds generationally. When you talk about the the God of Abraham, Jacob, and, and Isaac, all those, he always builds generationally. The church to survive through the 21st century has to build generationally. Otherwise, we will close our doors. The church always has to keep a hundred year vision. And that's what we're talking about today. Posterity. How does that have, what does that have to do with the church of Jesus Christ? A whole lot. Because we reproduce what we are. And we're seeing a, a, a planet, a world, without Jesus, what that looks like. And people are reproducing what they are in our workplace, in our neighborhoods. And the church is kind of That's not my problem, but the problem is the problem has come to the doors, and God has given us something so powerful to change the world, change your family, change your neighborhoods, change everything. His name is Jesus Christ, and we're going to continue in the book of Deuteronomy. This is at the end of moses giving the instructions renewing the covenant giving them instructions he's not going in and you'll see when we go read this you'll see if you look at the book of Deuteronomy at 30 chapter 30 he even prophesies how they're going to mess this up and god's going to bring them back and they said no we're not going to mess it up well if you keep going down the book of joshua they start messing it up but god's grace brings them back like the new testament when we mess it up jesus brings us back Amazing. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. Again, posterity, descendants, children's children, succeeding generations. It starts this in verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth and witness against you today. I love when God makes a contract with us. He doesn't depend on me to be the witness, He's calling heaven and earth. So that's who you got to report to at the end of your days. Been reading the book of Revelation. You're not going to be reporting to me. You're going to be reporting to God in heaven and all the witnesses in heaven. Against you today that I have set before you what? I love it. Simple and basic. Blessing and what? Therefore, choose life that you have, that your offspring, what? May live. How will they live? Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him. For he is out your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. See in the scripture here, he's rehashing, renewing the covenant that was 700 years earlier that he gave to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he's saying here's a choice. There's a covenant of blessings and there's a covenant of curses. He's saying, choose life, which is God, or don't choose God, and choose death. There's no gray area. In fact, you can't even tweet that and have a discussion about it. He's black and white in this. And he's telling the present generation there, your choices will determine the direction of future generations. What a responsibility. What I do today will affect the generations tomorrow. What the church does today will affect Abilene tomorrow. You said I thought it was just going to church and getting three songs in a sermon. No, it's a responsibility <laughs> that God has given his people. Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to be consumers. He died on the cross for to be contributors to change the nation. The choice. Is this, you choose God, you choose life and longevity. I love John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you're thinking otherwise, you're heading down the wrong road. You know, one of the most important decisions we'll make ever in our lives is who we're going to live for. How that will affect our children, our children's children, who we're going to live for. It's the most important decision we're ever going to make. When you unpack this, to choose life means this. Love God, obey his voice, and hold fast to him. That's what it says in the word there. These are the conditions in which longevity and covenant continuous is founded. Loving God, obeying his voice, and holding fast. That is the condition of the church today. To love God. Not the benefits of God, the beauty of God. To obey his voice and to hold on for the next generation to pick up. See, we can fall in love with the benefits of God and our praise will be up and down. Because depending on what you think about your benefits should be. And we kind of messed this up in the the 20th century, especially when we preach the gospel. Telling everybody, well, if you do this, you'll get this. And we started selling the benefits versus selling the, the mission. Narcissistic. Hey, if you serve in children's church, you'll have a fivefold blessing. Really, if you love Jesus, you'll serve in children's church because he's Jesus. But we sold this narcissistic by our gospel, it's going to benefit you, guy, if you do this. Because we're chasing after the benefits, not the beauty of God. And the covenant here is about the beauty of God. Loving God is about loving the beauty of God. First one is loving God our greatest blessing in our relationship with God and the life he provides. We have the privilege of passing this life and inheritance down to our children's children. See, long, I learned this growing up. Loyalty leads to longevity. Loyalty leads to longevity when you're talking about loving God. When you're loyal with him, he commands us to be loyal. Now, this is not, what he's saying here is not a, a uh, recommendation. This is a command. Because lo- he is loyal to us with Christ. Be loyalty really leads to longevity. You always find a child who's on fire for God, you'll find the parents are too hot for God. They're on fire. It spreads to the family. If the, if it's in, Jesus indifference in their lives, you'll see the fruit of your indifference, and you'll get mad at your children. Why are you acting like that? I'm just acting like you, mom and dad. Loving God is so more important. I always tell men today. What can I leave my wife? What can I when I leave my kids? Show them how much you love their mother. That's longevity. So he'll grow up, or she'll grow up and know how to have the right relationship. Because she watch you mistreat your mother, she's going to marry someone just like you. And you're going to get mad at the guy who shows up, but he's just a, he's just a spitting image of who you are. Deuteronomy 6.5 says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Not just the benefits, guys. I want to help you with this. Not what God wants me to be, but who he is. He reclaiming, guys, he said, for longevity to take place, for you to pass down the right thing, for the church to exist tomorrow, we're going to have to love God for his beauty, not his benefits. We got to teach what that looks like we got to model what that looks like. And people know your love for God on your reaction to them. Second one is obey his voice. Choosing life means to choose what God wants for you above all else. See, naturally, we can't really obey God because we're bent towards sin. We can't even work up a good thing because of the way we were born into sin. And it's only in Christ that we can be made righteous and perfect before him. We can't do anything apart from Christ. Even good works is not good works without Christ in in the center of it. That's why I love God and his grace. Grace is amazing. His grace trains us and empowers us to say no to sin. We have God's grace to help us not to live the old life, to to put off the old life and live the new life. And to have God's grace, we have to be with God every day. Without God's grace, we are in big trouble trying to do good works and try to be nice people. It doesn't work because the minute someone hacks you off, you'll discover what's inside of you. And if God is inside of you, you'll respond a whole lot different. If He's not, if it's just your good works, you will quit, like He said in John, Genesis, and Galatians chapter nine, six nine. You'll give up because you've been trying to do it. But when God's grace and you recognize that same grace that saved you trains you, that's the Bible. That's why you gotta read your Bible every day and every day what everybody sound like I don't want to do that well that's the problem sorry Titus 212 I'm on it today and I'm just gonna be stepping on everyone's houses today Titus 212 said for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to who come on you can speak back for all people Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. The grace, what I'm talking about, is Jesus. He was full of grace and full of truth. Grace, the Savior, became grace, the teacher. Think about it. Grace, the Savior, that saved me, is also grace, the teacher, that's teaching me to renounce ungodliness. That's amazing when he comes alongside and helps me with that. He teaches us to renounce ungodliness. It teaches us to walk in purity of life. And as he's teaching us, someone's looking at us to learn how you do that. Because how you respond to that is how our children's children will respond. I'm going to give you an example at the end of the sermon what I'm talking about. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. I love Deuteronomy 28. Go back to verses, to scriptures. And if you faithfully obey, everyone say faithfully. Lord your God, being careful to to do all his commandments, and I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations on the earth. And all these blessings shall overcome you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, if you look at if you look at, um, at um, Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 um, verses, you can party. This is a blessing. They're going to come and they're going to overtake me. In fact, I'm going to have to chase them down because they're so good. Then you look at the part from 15 all the way to 68, the curses? That's a lot of curses. Man, I'm like, whoa. And you, have you read them? You will fail at everything. Have you ever read that? You need to read that. Because you party on 1 through 14. But if you don't obey, 15 to 68, and he, he doesn't leave anything out. If you have a, a broke-legged dog, he's in there. <laughs> he doesn't leave Anything out. So, what do you want to choose? The first 14 or the second half? You know what a lot of us do? We choose the second half. And it says that those curses will not just go on you, they'll overtake you. It'll go from generation to generation to generation. And what we do, when we see that, when we talk about when we go to a Victory Weekend and we want to clean some of that up, generational curses, know how the world cleans it up? Give a child a pill. That'll fix it. Some of them need it. Most of them don't. What we can't fix, they can't explain They call it a disease. Now, when I grew up, this thing wiped out every disease I ever had. I had diseases I didn't even know I had. (laughs) It took out everything. Oh, you had a little bit of that. Whoa, that is good. They cost me, cost them nothing. (laughs) Discipline doesn't cost you anything. Do it now when the problem is small versus it becomes a state problem. And we call it, it's not, there's nothing wrong. Except there's no Jesus there. And if you're wrong, you're going to pass on wrong. Got the whole, you got to understand the blessings and curses. See, we don't understand sometimes that we to we think as we're older, we're mature, but really maturity comes with responsibility. If I have children, I'm not res- being responsible for them. I'm immature. And realizing there's people behind me looking to make sure what I'm saying is what I'm doing. You know, it's hard to sell anything if you're not buying it. Like Brother Paul, he works, he works over in Ford, uh, Arrow Ford. And when we go to lunch, he brings some nice car all the time. Now, he, you know, he bleeds Ford. Now, if I go to his place and he, I go to his house and he has a Toyota, at first I'll say, brother, you finally got saved. But if he has a Ford or he doesn't have that Ford and he has a Toyota, he says, man, I don't don't believe in that. He's only doing it for the check versus doing it because he loves it. He's sold out to it. See, a lot of us want to walk in the benefits of God for the check. For the check, I get, hey, I get a blessing today if I do this. If I don't get the blessing, forget about it. Then they want to celebrate when you do what you're supposed to do. You tithe. Oh, my gosh, have a party. You're supposed to tithe. I served. Three months. You're supposed to serve. You want me to build you a monument? Where am I going with this? I got to get back on the stage. Cause it's a check. No check, no service. No benefits? Hey, you do this, you have hey, no well, I have no time, brother, because I have no benefits. Well, how's it gonna benefit me serving? How's that gonna benefit me? I don't wanna drive a Ford. That's just for the check. You know, I don't wanna serve God unless He gives me something first. This is a give and take thing. Unless he blesses my life, I'm not doing anything. I'm so glad Jesus didn't think that way because we never didn't deserve any of what he got. Everything he took was ours. And he says today, we don't live like that. We live to obey his voice and do what he says do. Black and white. If you don't, this is what happens. When they say you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord faithfully, that leads me to the last point. You hold on to God. See, loving and obeying God's voice aren't one-time occurrences. They need to come consistently and faithfully every day. That word hold means to cleave, to impinge, to make an impact on, to pursue hard. Just remember that? And, or to follow close. You know what discipleship is? Following close. To be joined. To stick. To stick it out. When the times get rough, stick. You stick it out. You don't cut it off. You stick it out. You follow hard. You're holding on to God. Because if we let go of God like we see later on in in, uh, Joshua, there's a generation that grows up that did not even know the exploits of God. They knew no bots of them. And we're just that close, guys. Seeing stuff I've never seen before coming out of kids, coming out of the generations. The spirit of entitlement. Don't have to work for you, you owe it to me. That's why I retired early. <laughs> so I don't retire and go to jail. Entitlement. I worked three years. I already get 50,000. I learned that in the military. What time did we get off? We're in war. You see that pistol on you? We're not getting off. Jesus said this. He was so joined to the Father. He even said in John 5, 19, for whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Jesus didn't do anything his Father wasn't doing. That's how close he was. Deuteronomy 13, 4 says this. You shall walk after the Lord, your God. Fear him and keep his commandments. Obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Serve and hold fast. That's not not popular language today. Commitment, that word, C word, is not popular. Because unless I'm getting something, I'm not really going to hold on to it. And he's talking about this continually believe, depend, and trust him in all things. Because in the long haul, it benefits not us but someone else. Give me an example. What I'm talking about, and how God wants us to reach people and build community. This old man's been dreaming dreams. I'm supposed to. The Bible says that. I have some uh, generations that's going to come up. Come up on the stage. I need, all right, come on, man. You might do a flip. Don't worry about it. I know your parents didn't teach you that because they can't flip anything. I need a college student. Got a college student who's in college? Everyone's pointing. Now, I don't know if y'all heard about me. If I point you out, that means you're embarrassed. I'm going to take the shyest one here. Uh, Her. Come on up. Come over this way. I want you all to line up according to age. I need a a, uh, young adult who's out of college. Where's she at? Okay. What are you doing all the way over? You got to come from, you got to be next to me. I'm the adult. (laughs) You got to get a job now. Just kidding. Okay. um, Young adult, college. Teenager. Austin. Now, ladies, this boy will wink at you. Can't tell you where he got it from, but he's just a spitting image of his dad. Anyway, but he's married now. All right, anyway, let me get back to what I'm doing. You're going to hear in in January, starting January 2016, next year, we're going to, Call this a generation campaign. Generations. The scripture I'm gonna use is Psalm. Thank you, someone just sent me a message. That was sweet. Thank you very much. Uh, Psalms 145.4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. The word commend means boast. As me, as an adult, I have to boast about God. Declare means make him known to every generation. Now, Elijah, who is the next prophet, when he does, we got to make believe that there's another child coming from his lineage. For generations to come, that puts responsibility on each and every one of us. Because what we do today, the scripture is saying, what the choice we make today will affect the decisions of our generations tomorrow. We can teach them to walk close to God or we can teach them to walk away from God. When you go all the way down and you start getting the book of Joshua, start reading that when this series is over. And you'll see the series of compromise. Joshua got over to chapter 24. He told them, For me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I have to stop this because you guys are sliding way out of control. And when we're talking about generations, Grace Point Church, I'm taking us. God wants to take us to reach people and build communities. Some of the things you'll hear about. We owe $58,000 on this building. We need to pay it off. That means if 50, was it? Let me make sure I get it right. If 58 people pledge $1,000, it's paid off. If 100 people um, pledge $580, it's paid off. To renovate, not this side, but the kids' side. So people want to bring their kids here. And the youth side, to blow this building up, gut it out and redo it. The figures I got right now is $90,000 I want to raise in two years. You say that's impossible. No, the God we serve does all things well. I'm putting this all together because in 2016, we're going to serve it out. We're going to live this. We're going to do this because generations are in the balance for it. It's not about me. It's not about my gifts. It's not about my talents. It's not about what I'm going to position. I don't want to be famous. I want to be faithful. And we take this and make this a home base. And if you guys have been looking, I've been driving around this whole town looking at land. There's no congregation on the southeast side. Is land all over the southeast side waiting to be open for a church to buy land. Because when we talk about reach, which is our 2,000 word, 16, two word for 2016, we don't reach people by praying for them to come in here. We actually go. And we build communities all around this city. This is mothership. But we need to go out. The North American Mission Board said this Abilene doesn't need another church. They need to plant congregations everywhere. And God showed me when I first got here in 1998 that this is the potential to do great things. People always ask, How come you didn't leave? Because God showed me something. I'm not going to go until I see part of it. Now, will I see all of it? I doubt it. But I know when I, my time to go, It's going to be established. I got 10 good years, maybe 15. Within those 10, you'll see Grace Point Southeast open. Now, it's not going to happen with consumers. We got to get out of the cruise ship mentality. Cruise ship, you have your plate. Pastor Rich, can you you serve me some of that? Elder Jerry, can you give me some of that? What time is hockey start? What time are you going to have a young adult ministry? What time are we going to have this? What time are we going to have that? Because you know why? Cruise ships are all about you. Consumers. Battle. We want to be a battleship, which is combatants, which means it's about the mission. Think about it. It's about the mission. When you have a burden for different ministries, that burden becomes your ministry. Here's my burden. Everyone talks a different language. Teenagers, struggle is real. <laughs> Costumes, I have no money. Kids like, Mine, where are my kicks? And Elijah just smiles and they give him everything. And young adults says, I don't know if I want to be in college. I want to get out. I want to go back to school because it's safer. All different languages. But the one language that combines them all is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every bit, the gospel from going here to here, everyone will understand it. Old guy, dreaming dreams. I just gave you a snapshot. Next week, we're going to talk about the purpose of what we're doing. And I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you, every one of you, I want to raise just next week $1,428. No, $1,428. $1, <laughs> you can tell I, I failed math. $1,428 and $28 as a retainer because that's how much our building mortgage is. I want to give an extra one this year. Can you rise for the occasion because we're going to be rising for the next two years doing this. And there's going to be a whole bunch of things going on. Got to get graphic designs and all that going. And this is the campaign for Grace Point Church. It's not even a campaign. It's God's Desire for our church when you talking about see i don 't want this to become just a uh, something i 'm selling but i 'm not buying see when you are buying it, people know you, can, you make a great salesman, but if you 're not buying it. I'm talking about buying all in. I'm not talking about once a month that come to church. I'm talking about getting involved in this place. Because in January 2006, in February, we're trying to get and go to two services. Todd is one service. This is 1980s style. That's what they did in the '80s. One service, 11 o'clock. Everybody be happy. It doesn't work. We need multiple services to get all the people in here. And if I fail? I fell on God, but to do nothing is death. And I'm making a choice to lay down my life. A lot of you don't see my wife here this morning. She is um, in the back. She's the children's church director now. She's taking over children's church. And we were talking. About, we can do this. Reason why I've got, I got a little passion with it, keep me from crying. I had one, you never have one of those weeks? They're like, if I can't take another thing. And the guys knew it too, they kept, you do no right, you do. I said, I can't, oh man. So you don't know, we actually adopt the school, Reagan Elementary. And we are, um, um, we go to mentor a child. One day a week, one hour a week, and mine, I've been doing with him for three years. What well, I'm having, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm going there, and I really didn't want to go, but I went, and I'm having my little pity party. You know, have you, ever, you know pastors have pity parties. You don't think so because I got alligator skin. I'm sitting there, pity party. I'm like, man, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And we're talking, we're playing cards, and we're talking. He said this, can't give you his name. He said, I said, we got the uh, festival going on tonight. You can make I said, I can't make it. I got I to do something. He said, Well, I'm not going to make it either because uh, my mother is getting out of jail. And I said, He said, so nonchalant. My mother's getting out of jail. I said, it knocked me off my feet. And we started talking about that. He had told me before where he likes to stay because he doesn't appreciate certain things. It's in third grade. His projection in third grade, he ought to be a statistic. But the only thing that can turn his statistic, he, he listens to the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that can change his family tree. If it takes five years, I'm not allowed to say anything about Jesus. But I can show him Jesus until he's old enough to ask the question. You want to know what makes me go? That's it. Changing family trees. And I want to tell you something. Everyone looks at quantity. But if you look, look into expert books... We're the health, one of the healthiest churches in this city. You know why? Because we have every generation represented. Especially now, imagine I'm the only one that looks, I'm the only age in this church. We won't last five years. But we have to take Elijah, the prophet, and one day, Elijah, God willing, unless he changes his mind, will be here preaching. And this young man, whatever he's doing, this young man, he's not a statistic. Teenagers, everybody say, oh, teenagers, oh, gosh. We need to trust each other again. Adults need to trust the young adults. The teenagers need to trust everybody. Everyone has a ability to do it on their own, but God didn't call us to do it on our own. That's why posterity is so important. I'm playing 100 years from now. Am I going to be here for that? No, but someone will. And I'm looking for combatants, not consumers. Consumers, if it doesn't go right, I'm not doing Walmart. I'll just go on Amazon. It's tough. Consumers leave when it gets tough. Combatants, take the beating, get back up, let's go. You know why? Because I need the beating. Because for me, us to experience breakthrough, I need to be broken. That will never preach on Twitter. Because we like to feel good. But I told everyone this year, this year it was forming me. That Chris Pate, one of my good friends, he called, he says, man, you, what do you call me? He called me the, uh, you're Wolverine, brother. I call you Wolverine now. I said, okay, I'll be Wolverine. I just think not got the whiskers. life's about your children's children got children in the back do you believe God for them to do greater things than us y'all can come down thank you so much give them a hand you guys listen to our old man ramble here's a choice some of you have come here come to church because that's what your grandmother did. That's what your mother did. But you never really knew about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you. Taking the, taking the beating we should have taken and living the life we... You don't know that. You've been walking in between these choices. I can't be in the world. I can't, you can't be in the world and be, and be spiritual. It doesn't work. Either you are or you're not. And I love this scripture. Either you're born again or you're not. Either Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, not just Savior, or he's not. Eyes closed. Everyone's eyes closed. Every head bowed.